0: So, this morning I'm excited again to be able to open scripture with you and address the theme, Why Am I Here from the book of Ecclesiastes? Well, now we're going to open the Bible at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I came across a quote this week, and the title of this magazine article was Man, the Enigma. And this truth is captured in four questions. This is why we are a mystery. They are, Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? I wonder this morning if you have the answers to these questions. Do you know who you are? Do you know why you're here? Where you came from? And do you know where you're going? If purpose and meaning and satisfaction can be found under the sun, it must be able to be found in the world around us. And he's going to consider three pursuits as he applies this test. And can they provide a lasting joy and satisfaction? So I believe that Solomon discloses three pursuits that should all hold out meaning for our life. And the first pursuit is this. It's the pursuit of education. The second pursuit is the pursuit of pleasure. And the third pursuit is the pursuit of material wealth. Solomon discloses these three pursuits, and we're going to begin with the pursuit of education. Does education hold out promise and meaning for this short life that you have on earth? Well, in chapter 1, verse 13, this is how the teacher begins. He says, I was king over Israel. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. And this idea of applying one's mind to study is used throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. He goes on in verse 17. Then I apply myself to understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. And the result of that study comes to us in verse 16. He comes with this conclusion. He says, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. Did Solomon's learning awaken in him meaning and purpose in this life for the few short years that he had on this earth? And the answer is no. Almost immediately, in verse 13 of chapter 1, he says, Yes, I apply my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. The New Living Translation puts it this way, what a tragic existence to the human race we have here. And he's going to go and he's going to say in verse 18, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. But it's not only grief that has inflicted him with a gnawing emptiness in his pursuit. No, it was the fact that knowledge and understanding promise much, but don't deliver what they promise. But if education is all that we needed, why do doctors and nurses stand out in the cold smoking in courtyards around the hospitals? They know that smoking causes a host of problems mentally and physically. If education is all that we needed, why are we still living in such a mess today? Ignorance is not bliss. And many of us invest heavily in solid biblical education. It's one of the hallmarks of the Reformed tradition to invest heavily in the education of our youth. And we should thank God for that passion and that ability. What the teacher is teaching us here is this. We cannot believe that education holds the key to understanding life under the sun. Solomon writes in verse 17, he says, but I learned this too. All of of what I've learned is a chasing after the wind because information and knowledge was not able to transform his character or the circumstances on the basis of his education. It didn't get to the heart of the matter. Education alone cannot solve the ultimate problem or the ultimate need of the heart. And here's why, finally, because true knowledge finds its source. In God alone. And herein lies the problem for secular society. God is beyond the sun. He is transcendent. And the good news of the gospel, of course, is that he did cut through the sun, you could say. He came into our world of space and time. And we read in John 1 verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world He has come, we read in verse 14, full of grace and truth. We know that he is the fountain of knowledge. He is the wisdom become flesh. You see, without spirit-filled faith in God's divine revelation, life without God splitting the heavens to come into our world to reveal himself, without that happening, education is an empty enterprise. You see, his experiment didn't just end with education. He went on. He thought, well, if education is not the answer, if knowledge is not the answer, if wisdom is not the answer, then maybe pleasure is. Verse 2 I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. And then we read a little bit later. He said, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. You see, if the first one is focused on intellectualism, then his second pursuit was one of hedonism. And the testing of pleasure was to try to prove that pleasure would provide the answer to the riddle of life. A little later on in verse 8 of chapter 2, he says, I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. The delights of man's heart. So he tried women, wine, and song in the hope to find joy in life. And he built beautiful mansions, as we will learn, in order to welcome in his harem women given to him for the sole purpose of providing sexual pleasure. And we read in 1 Kings 11, verse 3, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And then we read, and his wives led him astray. And the question is, did he find lasting joy? Did he find peace in his pursuit of pleasure? And the answer is no. They left him grasping for meaning and for purpose in life. You see, even laughter was elusive at this time. Laughter, he said, is madness. The late Billy Graham shares a story of a counselor who had someone come into his clinic for counseling. And the visit did not go that well. And in a moment of desperation, the counselor said to the man who came in, I, I'm pretty sure that I've not really helped you much. But maybe you know that there's a comedian in town from Italy. And he's running a sold-out show as a clown. And people are finding his antics very funny. I think you know where this is going. And the man says to the counselor, I am that clown. You see, some of us are trying to make sense out of our lives by being the clown." I ask you, how's it going? He's answering the question, what happens when you refuse your heart no pleasure? What happens when you exhaust every opportunity under the sun to try to find enjoyment and satisfaction in this life? You end up in despair. And Jesus asks the sobering question in Mark 8, verse 36, what does it profit a man to gain the world but forfeit his soul? So if intellectualism didn't satisfy, nor hedonism, well, maybe materialism would. So he goes there. The thirst to amass more, to live better, to grab all that you can out of your home, your toys, your vocation, comes at great cost to yourself, but also to others. And why do we think that stuff is going to answer the big questions of life? Like, who are you? Why are you here? Where are you going? Ecclesiastes says to us this morning, it says to you this morning, he says, listen to me. No, it cannot. It's heaven. It's a vapor. Stuff cannot satisfy because sin robs all those things of ultimate meaning. I'm not sure if you noticed in the verses 5 and 6 that we read. The language of making gardens and parks and planting all kinds of fruit trees and reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. You remember reading that? I wonder if this reminds you of another gardener. The gardener of all gardeners. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In verse 16 of Genesis 2 we read, And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Was he trying to build heaven on earth without the Redeemer? Was it wrong for him to make a beautiful garden? No, it's good. But if you think that by this pursuit we can somehow undo the curse, that somehow you can bring heaven to earth without dealing with the cause of the curse, it's idolatry and it's supplanting God. And death consumes because of the fall. Death is written into our DNA on everything you see and touch and feel. And that's why it's vapor. And humble Solomon, he finishes and he says, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And then he writes in verse 17, I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. The experiment failed. And listen, it will always fail. Because if we think meaning and purpose in life can be found in education or pleasure or stuff, the teacher is going to tell you again, stop. You're trying to corral the wind. It's a useless activity. But then one evening, a man stole out of his home to meet the author of life himself, Jesus. His name was Nicodemus, and he was bent on observation and empirical evidence. And his observations may have not been that much different in their nature than Solomon. He'd watched Jesus for a while, and he realized that this man, Jesus, was some other kind of man. John chapter 3, verse 2, he came to Jesus that night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus cuts to the chase, past the flattery cuts to the chase and it causes Nicodemus to stop in his track and I hope it causes you to stop in your track and if if Solomon was there it would have stopped him in his track. He says in verse 3, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You see Nico's heart was like Solomon's. Still filled with the pursuits of this world. See Nicodemus knew something more than Solomon. He knew that God had now broken in through the barrier of time and space and entered this world that has fallen. And the gift of grace to Nicodemus was the answer that Solomon needed to hear and no less you need to hear this morning. And the world needs to hear from sea to sea. And the gift of grace this morning to you is this, that you and I need a new heart. We need new affections. We need the cleansing blood of Christ to wash our hearts pure so that the Spirit of God can dwell in there and lead us into all truth. That's what we need. If only we could grab hold of this truth with our whole heart. And without a new heart, you cannot become a citizen of a kingdom that will never end, that will satisfy your deepest longings. You need to repent. You need to receive me by faith as your Lord and Savior. You need to realize that the man on the cross died in our place to give us a place in his kingdom that will not end and will satisfy our deepest longings. You need to say with the criminal beside Jesus who understood this truth, it is only through Christ. You see, on account of what Christ has done now, we can read back into Ecclesiastes these words from verse 24. Chapter 2, verse 24, the teacher says, a person could do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. It's only because of God can we find enjoyment in the work, the toil, the food, and the pleasures that God has given us.